Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Sith Takers Snapshots podcast. I'm your host, Liam, having an absolute crisis, Baker, and I'm joined by Tim, who's behind the mic. Hello there. And I interrupted you, and I shouldn't have done that. That's fine. It's, thanks, it's, it's, thanks, not your, it's not your first time hosting. I mean, you really should know what you're, you're doing by now. No, I don't. I don't know anything. And now I'm joined by this year's XTC winners, Team USA. Hello. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having us. Wow, you guys are so excited. What time is it there? It's the afternoon. Um, Yeah, it's easy. 12.05 p.m. Oh. Okay, then. You guys need some energy drinks. We get some more energy in you. For the people we have on the podcast tonight, we've got Crispy. Hello. We've got Kenneth Lyon. Hello, hello. We have Levi. Hello there. We've got Stephen Wayland. Hello, everybody. And Will Haygood. USA! Now, I need to look at the agenda so I know what to do. So, I will officially congratulate you on winning the XTC. Thank you, kindly. Thanks, Liam. Oh. Yeah, congratulations, Team USA. I think um, it was a uh, well-won uh, victory. I think you and Australia were up to top for quite a bit, but I think uh, just uh, managed to take the win at the end. Was it... Uh, oh, I have to bring up the standings myself now. Was it 8-2, and two, or did you get the 9-1? 8-1. 8-1. Oh, of course, sorry. Yeah, it was nine, nine, nine uh, rounds, wasn't it? Because it was 10 teams. I mean, it's a shame. Australia lost two on uh, day one, and we lost one on day one, and we both went four out day two. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, one thing I said to the uh, the English team um, before we sort of started playing was that you know expect to lose rounds, and it's not the end of the world if you do. I mean, like, I think obviously yourself and Canada only losing ones probably like the best records we've had in recent years whereas sort of previous years i think the winners have still lost a couple of rounds you know it's always always been quite close at the top and even like if you look at the group stage of some of the groups were quite close yeah well, i know the um the group liam was in with the pirates canada and i think england or there france, was three teams at four and one yeah Fran- france yeah france, france canada and pirates yeah and we crashed out I mean, scumbags we were. Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting one. Like, no no offense to any of the other teams with this sort of uh, observation, but that group seemed very much was three strong teams, three not as strong teams. So you ended up with obviously three vying. Um, Whereas I I feel like USA probably came out of the hardest group um, because, you know, there were four or five teams in that group, if not all of them, that, you know, could have qualified uh, for the finals. I think there's some. Very, very strong opposition there. Yeah. Serbia got a little bit unlucky with their pairing because there was USA, USI, Poland, Spain, and Mexico. And normally when you say the teams that make it out of there, it's like Poland and Spain are probably in there, but they didn't make it out because of how stiff the competition was. So, Yeah, yeah. And it came down to the last round, didn't it? Because I know um, it was base. Was it the winner of Poland, USA, wasn't it, that, that progressed? It was the winner of Poland, USA, and Mexico. And if Poland, USA tied, it was both Poland and USA. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, su- super close. I mean, I think we were in a similar situation, but I think we had to lose to Hungary and uh, who were Australia playing? Were they playing Kalmar? I think there was, a, there was a weird way where if Australia lost and Hungary beat us, I think Hungary could progress. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, very, very close. But no, I mean, you, you guys did very well. I mean, like I say, yeah, coming out of the group stage was not guaranteed by any means um, for yourselves. I mean, yes, you were probably one of the favourites, but I mean, you could have, I, I, I personally believe, could have seen any of, like, four or five of those teams progressed to the finals. And that was just, unfortunately, luck of the draw. Yeah, it was uh, very uh, very nerve-wracking the entire way. Like, not only did it come in, come down to the last week, I think it came down to the very last game. Uh, yeah, and I just want to, I just want to say that, like, like we would not be in the finals if it were not for Levi winning that last game. Was yeah, it was definitely a lot of pressure uh, on that last game. <laughs> I mean, afterwards, Olipak now messaged me. He's like, "Oh, you've had a stressful day." I was like, "Yeah, just a little bit." But um, I mean, shout out to my team. Y'all were. Um, I got practice games in. I got a lot of advice on strategies, and I was. I like to say I was sitting the dials, but I had my team right on my shoulder whispering in my ear um, every second of the game. So it was like, yeah, it was just, it was great to to win for the team, but it was definitely a team win. I can't take credit for all of it. Levi does have ice water in his veins, so like we we felt really confident that he was going to be able to bring it home. No, it's good. I mean, it's interesting actually how the group stage plays out versus the final stage. And I certainly find... I think the group stage more stressful. Like there is that, I suppose, 15 minutes at the end of the round in the finals where perhaps you've finished and you're waiting for your teammates to come in. But it is terrible in the group stage when you play on day one because it's obviously a week to play the games. And let's say you lose your game. Uh, you're then waiting on your teammates to bail you out, and that's horrible. When you're waiting, so like some some of my teammates, I might play on the Tuesday, and some of my teammates weren't playing to like the Saturday Sunday. So you're almost you know waiting five days for for them to actually you know play their games. What did um we go around? To, who, who preferred the uh, week long format, and who preferred the uh, sort of playing all the games at the same time? Kick us off, Will. Yeah, and there's definitely a rush when you're playing like back-to-back games. Uh, awesome is uh, more interesting for pairings as well. Uh, during like the week, you can get like a practice game in, maybe size up your opponent a little bit. But uh, in the in the all day, uh, you really have to do that very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's almost, it's like a singles event then, isn't it? Where you just sort of turn up to the table and you see your opponent and you've just got to sort of formulate your plan, formulate your turn zero as you sort of turn up at the table. But like, I know when we played, um, because we had uh, the odd, we had the five teams in our group um, when we played Australia, they had the rest week round one. So because they paired early, they then had more time to practice. And uh, I know they they certainly been practicing hard into us, and and you know ultimately got got the win in the group stage. Um, but yeah, no. Um, how about yourself, Stephen? What did you sort? Of which which format did you prefer, or, or sure? Not? I mean, 
I mean, the group stage, I mean, first and foremost, like being, you know, having those opportunities to practice against what you know you're going to fly rather than like um, kind of taking like practice matches of like, well, if I get paired into this, it's like it would be good to know. Um, I mean, the finals is definitely that, that adrenaline rush. Um, but I think it's also, and I think this, this is uh, especially the, like for day one of the finals when it went five rounds. Um, I think by the time we got to, to round five, which was anywhere between like a nine o'clock and a six o'clock in the morning after playing X-Wing all night. Um, yeah, that round was exhausting. I think we all hit like a, we all hit a, a brick wall that round. Um, and so like being able to like reach out to your opponent, like what's going to be the ideal time for both of us, I think was at like, was advantageous. Um, but yeah, then there's also just the, the adrenaline of the, the final and, and having that opportunity to really lock in your focus and you're going from one round to the next. And I think um, it definitely felt like as when we built momentum that that's obviously um, carries over worse, like in the group stages, like you had mentioned before, like if you have a match earlier in the week and like the the rest of the team doesn't, doesn't finish until, I mean, the, the weekend that, yeah, there's a, a lot of waiting and then it's just, I mean, offering practice matches for teammates that still have matches, but like them both. Um, but I think the adrenaline, I think, kicks like from the finals definitely, I think, pushes over the top even with the uh, the exhaustion factor um, built into it. Yeah, cool. Anybody else any sort of thoughts on the actual sort of timings of of the group stage and finals? Um, so I, I'm a huge fan of like the single day, just like get it out of the way and all the, you know, we we're we're all together as a team. Um, you know, just playing all of our games, and then it's bang, 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 bang. Uh, but, like, maybe next year, could we get it, like, in our time zone, where we're not having to do the night shift again? Oh. Uh, no. I, no, hang on. So, so I will fully admit that that you guys, you know, I mean, not just you, like, you know, we had it with Columbia, obviously uh, ended up uh, dropping out. Um, but obviously for yourself, Canada, Mexico, it is a slog as it is for Australia and New Zealand. And, and ultimately, I think that is the big driving factor for the, the, the time zone where it's set, is so that Australia and New Zealand aren't playing on Monday. Um, and that is something I think the captains possibly can have a discussion about how they go about it. But at some point, you're going to have people playing outside of their time zone. And I don't know... I don't know if there is a better way of, of doing that. I mean, you either play the final stage over a longer period, which, like you, uh, I think Stephen mentioned about the flexibility then of players being able to fl- find a time that works best for them. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how how long how long do you drag the the XTC out for? So I think personally at the moment, I think the current format of you do group stages over an elongated period works and then having the full day of just playing well two days of x-wing uh, i do prefer that format but i'm well aware that neither system's perfect i know from a personal point of view having a full day just playing gives you the momentum i think there's it's easy to just glide into the next game for me personally whereas dragging it off dragging it across several weeks I struggle with, especially when you've got the stress of trying to arrange the game. At least when you're doing it in a, a one-day period, you know you and your opponent are available. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know I heard people talk about perhaps having a semi-final stage to sort of, you know, perhaps a more more geographical. But I mean, no system's going to be fair because if you look at you know the top, you know, to what three, uh, two of the top three is USA and Canada. So obviously, you guys would be in the same time zone. Um, you've got you know France and Germany, England. You know, it would be one of those things. But maybe actually having the group stage done in one or two day events would be easier because you could do that geographically and then the finals is over a longer period but i don't know it's something um i know will you you would have probably been part of discussions on the the captain's uh group about that and it's probably something that comes around every year and is discussed discussed at great length yeah the a lot of the factor comes into that is uh who ends up in the finals like you like you had said, having New Zealand and Australia in there, uh, pulling against that weekend time zone. So, uh, really, the easiest solution is just to have, like, you know, only North American teams get into the finals group. <laughs> well, but then equally, you have now proven that the time zone doesn't matter. So, so now you've lost any argument about, you know, having a nice time zone. Because obviously, if people who yeah, play just, just North American teams, we'll put up a fight. <laughs> but this is it. Like, if we play at a nice time zone for you now, maybe you lose that drive and that, you know, I don't suppose um, not, not quite underdog, but you know that that added pressure of of uh, you know using sure. using your subs in rotation and stuff like that. Sure, I mean there it is one thing that I told uh, the team is that like you got to literally play your list in your sleep. Like you have to, you have to know your list up and down, left and right, uh, to be able to not miss triggers and do all that. Like at three in the morning after playing three games already, so it it is a big ask to do it. But I mean, with enough practice, um, and you, yeah. you just like autopilot. Sometimes a lot of players might overthink stuff. Like you get that analysis paralysis. But if you're if you could just set yourself to autopilot. Be a little, be a little delirious from not sleeping all night. Uh, so, I can still get some wins. Well, so that's quite an interesting thought. So, did you make any list decisions based on that sort of mindset in a, in a, in a way like try not so much taking simpler lists necessarily to make it easier, but did you? But you know, some lists can be just f- full of triggers and maybe. You know, maybe yeah, so the, the uh, one of our players who's not here, our resistance player, Joel, uh, we were uh, discussing uh, switching to a five-ship list, as has been very popular, very successful. But at the end of the day, getting all new upgrades, even if there was some similar pilots, getting all new pilots, all new upgrades, all new ways uh, they would have to learn to engage and... Uh, understand like what to do in mirror matchups was just going to be t- too much changes I thought for Joel so we just had him keep his the list he'd been flying in the group stage and store championship season and it ended up working out great for him he went seven and one and one yeah 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 uh, Joel, Joel did fantastic yeah and I think that's that was another contributing factor of us not changing a lot of lists between the group stage and the finals, just that we we're so familiar with them. I think uh, Steven, I think, made the the most adjustments as far as like pilots and points, but stayed uh, still 
a Republic six ship. Yeah. No, I think I think that was definitely a discussion we were having in the England camp. Um, like you know, obviously we had Tom Fieldsend, who's who's very much known as being a, a Ray player, uh, and it was that big discussion of, well, do we take a Ray Poe um, resistance list? So we drop the five ship, bring in Tom's sort of Ray build, but then it was. Well, then what does Dom play? We put Dom perhaps onto Imperials, and then does Dan then go and play Rebels? And it was, well, we've got a week or two to work. We've got, what, two weeks before the event, a week before list submission. You know, can these players learn their lists, learn the mirror matches, you know, the pairings matrix, and all this stuff that goes with the XTC in time? And ultimately, uh, we decided to stick with... um, our list that we took to the group stage with a few little tweaks in in some of the factions but um felt that going for the sort of the reliability of the list that people have been almost mainlining uh versus perhaps taking some bigger risks yeah i think the uh falling into the meta was definitely a or maybe not falling into but like relying on these like meta examples of good list uh, was uh, I don't think advantageous for a lot of teams. Something like, for example, the the three arcs Padme Anakin, right? Mm-hmm. After uh, while, it's a very good list, obviously, and like uh, it's seen success, but it's a known quantity, right? You can practice against it. You can understand how it works. But there's a, there is that factor of um, the unknown where you are forcing your opponent to, like, you have to assess my list at the table, and I hope you can do it quickly because uh, in, the, in the finals, you know, you don't have that prep time to, to overanalyze it. So I think... Yeah. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on, go on. Official. Sorry. I was just trying to get a count of... Uh, Kenneth, help me out here. So we had... Uh, the are like outlier lists. Um, definitely the the Poe Falcon was an outlier. I think the only Falcon in the Resistance. We I think had the only Decimator and X One Vader for Empire. That sounds right. Like I know we were the only Morna Key at the very least. Definitely the only Morna Key. Uh, I think we had the fewest amount of born for this, with only one born for this ability in our republic. I think we were also only one of two lists, two maybe three that didn't bring all three arcs. Uh, true, true. Uh, and then uh, Doug, I saw Doug sneak in here. Uh, Doug flying uh, silencer, which I guess wasn't as much of an outlier as I thought. There was qu- quite a few people trying out the silencer Kylo. Yeah. I think there was two or three other other teams that brought it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do think like the I wouldn't say like exotic or like uh, janky list that we had brought, but just something that wasn't like uh, the meta staples like um, decimator bombers or uh, three arc. Padme was hopefully enough to keep our opponents like on their toes to where they couldn't really practice specifically for our lists and like our matchups because they were uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. Well, because that's an interesting and, thought. Uh, that's, 
let's go just touch on there so uh so my three arc padme list is very different i say very different but it's got luminara instead of anakin mm, and yes i mean i've been running that list for uh, for a while and i've been taking it to events and, and been doing fairly well with it uh and the reason i like taking it is much like my um republic list from previous years where it's ever so slightly different to what the meta list is and when i turn up to the tabletop people sort of see it and think oh it's just the standard list but they haven't actually twigged that it is different and it does play differently and um i think i got put into fo four times at the event i was picked four times by the fo player and i won all four matchups because the luminara into the fo and with Padme, completely changes that matchup. It's just, if you roll eyeballs, or even if you roll some hits, I can just turn average dice rolls down to bad dice rolls. And, I mean, I think, I can't remember, Doug, was it, did I lose Luminara in turn, well, the first engagement, and Padme in the in the second engagement? Uh, I know I got Padme. I think your Lumi lived on one. Yeah, it might have been. I, I know um, one matchup, no. I, yeah, I lost Luminara early, and then Padme the following turn, but the three arcs just managed to bully the rest of the FO list. Um, but yeah, the amount of FO lists I played, certainly on day one, um, yeah, I was more than happy. I think I might have played three FO lists on day one, and I was quite happy to keep playing them. But, you know, it, it happens. Um, I think, I mean, I've tried the six and seven ship. Um, certainly, I think, I think it was Androla's uh seven ship no it wasn't it was the new zealand seven ship uh i took that in a practice game last week um that's quite interesting to sort of fly around as well um before we lose kenneth um an interesting thing i've sort of discussed about is like the pairings i mean i don't know if you guys have played in seven player team events um but i just wondered if you had any thoughts between three five and seven players and perhaps the different tactics or what did you have any particular tactics with the pairings like i know some people talk about bussing lists and not and 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 sort of how you guys went about it i mean it depends on the the matrix that you fill out so our pairing matrix was very specifically made so like it's a scale of one to four but not one to five because if it was one to five, when people go, oh, I'm neither here nor there, they will pick three. Yep. And they will say, I'm going to say, this is an even matchup. It's neither here nor there. It can go either way. But if you force them to say, oh, it's good or bad, but it's still close to even, that leaves you a lot more leeway to, I trust my players to win, so I'm going to take this three and then just assume that they can win that when I'm factoring in decisions. It's not always the case, like because in some cases, some players will put a borderline matchup is a three just for confidence reasons or what have you or they've never seen it but they or they misunderstand something and someone else on the team will say well i don't actually think this is that good and steven made an excellent change to the spreadsheet from previous years of just having the players do their matchups and then the subs do matchups as well so you can see multiple different perspectives on the same lists going in and that helps a lot yeah no it's good so, i mean i think like i so i've come from 40k etc i did that for many years before sort of you know moving over towards x-wing and we'd almost have like your put forwards would be tanking the bad matchups but 
Oh, I think we found certainly that we didn't want that to happen. We wanted our put forwards to choose hopefully good matchups for themselves. There is occasionally on the matrix you look at a particular list and nobody wants to play it. So sometimes perhaps you do take that bad matchup because then it might open up other opportunities. But I think with our particular the way the XTC does pairings, I think we found it certainly a bit more advantageous to try and choose the better matchup. Yeah, I mean, usually, like, the way I approached it was whichever list had the most broadly favorable spectrum, I guess. Uh, like, so if it was, like, oh, I think I'm roughly positive against four out of five, or, you know, sometimes there was a five out of five, you can usually lead that one because, obviously, the opposing captain will put whatever they think is best against that list up against it when you lead it, but if your player thinks they're good against the majority of that field, then you will pick a good matchup and usually, or a positive one anyway, and then you can pull bad matchups from other players to get the next round much easier. Whereas, you know, if let's say everyone wants a piece of, I don't know, some rebel list and in order to just get it off the board, the opposing captain gives us that rebel list on the lead. If we take the rebel list for our, our lead, that player gets a good matchup, but it means nobody else can have that rebel list. And then we can't use it as a, oh, well, I have two matchups for this person I led in round two. If I discard the rebel and take a favorable matchup, whoever they pick on their end um, or don't pick gets the rebels, which will be good. It's kind of like using that to manipulate the final round. Because without seven teams, the what would have been the middle round in 21 was the first round now it's a lot of manipulating that last set where you're picking three pairings with one choice rather than two pairings sort of yeah so no I, that, that was mostly what my thoughts no i think just, I, yeah i think we're, we're fairly similar so we, we certainly had a scale i think it was technically it's one to six but essentially people only chose numbers two three four five um how did you learn um, the sort of the difference in your players in in regards to uh, what I would sort of class as uh, optimistic pairings and pessimistic pairings? So, what, did you have some people that perhaps you knew were perhaps a little bit negative in their pairings, and like you say, you could trust them to go and win those matchups? Marcel, um, but Marcel isn't actually a player; he was a sub. Um, not really. I mean, most of the players on the team knew their lists very well and they knew what was good and what was bad versus them. And they were not shy about saying, Hey, I don't want to see this list within 40 feet of me. Please keep it away from me. Yeah. And like, there wasn't any, I think, gross overstatements. There was one time where we made the executive order to Steve, one of Steve's twos, we made a three just to make pairings a little bit easier. So that way I had a, okay, I can put this one up against this and Steve up against it rather than just spitballing against the sea of twos for this one specific list. Um, it was the wrong choice. Steve ended up losing, but it helped everybody else's pairings doing that for that one situation. Yeah. If I can jump in with the, the pairings, I, I do think that this year uh, there was very clear... Uh, boogeyman 
like very clear things that we knew we would have to face. Han, obviously, Padme arcs. We we just knew that Sone um, was going to fly them. So it did make our like initial list choices. I think I forget how I phrased it, but I do remember saying like you whatever list you fly, it better be good against arcs and Han. Like I can't we can't like uh babysit a list against those matchups. And not having um I uh, honestly like well maybe can you could answer that better. What did we really have a list that we had to like babysit to to get good matchups for? Not really. Um I mean Joel's list was a little bit it had the most polarizing matchups, I guess you could say, where there was a lot of times where Joel would put a one for something. Uh just because it was while not amazing against the X Wings, this particular list would shred Poe if it caught him. So, like, obviously, you don't want to put your Poe Falcon against something that can kill him really quickly. Whereas, you know, your traditional five ship resistance wouldn't. But at the same time, that's one matchup out of the five factions. It's not a huge issue. Like, I don't think this year we had any lists that were, I guess, problems in that regard. Like, Steve was generally bad against FO because Empire is generally bad against FO. But, like, it wasn't anything overstated. Yeah, no, I think, I think I'd agree with that. And, yeah, that you, you've, definitely, you've definitely got some, some lists are a bit rock, paper, scissors, and then, you know, and then, but against other matchups, it's a bit more even. So, um, yeah, no, I can absolutely see that. So, um, so faction choices i mean i i was not surprised that nobody took scum or cis but also disappointed at the same time um any thoughts about how apart from the obvious of points or something to fix them but would there be a, perhaps a different way of looking at team composition that maybe would introduce a bit more variety than the same five factions for all 10 teams if the pirates got in, you'd have Daniel Lim playing separatists. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it, did Poland have? Was it separatists as well? Poland did have separatists. Yeah. So there's potential that maybe a couple of different teams in that we we might have seen a couple, but um, but generally, um, I mean, it made pairings very easy, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it, it was the same five and and generally there were a lot of similar archetypes, but. Um, I mean, if if you were to come up with some, I don't know, team composition, or if if or even if you're that fussed, I mean, how could we perhaps improve this for future? Yeah, seven it, factions rather than five. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know there is yeah. a lot of talk about it going into the XCC, especially trying to get as many nations playing as possible, uh, where five players seemed much more doable for many many of the teams this this year has just been an example of why we do need to see all seven factions out there to make it more interesting to have uh those almost like weak links like how do you cover a, a bad list then in matchups and pairings yeah i mean like cis and scum aren't bad it's just that they're tend to like their goods tend to be very scenario specific 
like scum tends to be very good at assault for the same reason republic is of most of their good ships are medium or large bases and like cis tends to be good at assault also because you just have a million droids that can park on rocks but they're also usually fairly weak at like you know salvage for scum just because they don't have a lot of ships and they tend to be fairly low agility or chance engagement for the droids just because well droids go boom yep i mean i guess though if they are going to succeed in any environment it might be a team environment where with pairings you could almost use those lists for their strengths but then you perhaps have to use them much like the double fire spray dirge list that we've seen i think in poland um you know and maybe you build it to prey on specific matchups so if you know everybody's going to take the arc padme or the six ship republic or um han or something like that you could build perhaps a scum or septus list that you know is not going to be your general all-rounder um but maybe can prey on certain archetypes and maybe help you in the pairings matrix yeah and there's also a couple of things like droid swarms given how much they're not exactly common these days have always been hard to play against and it's not easy to find someone who is like a high level practice partner for those so there is just the inherent variance of if you have a good droid swarm player like isophane then he can just win games by virtue of being so good with his list and his opponent not knowing how to play against it just for lack of practice, which is a legitimate reason to bring those underplayed factions. Just yeah. Yeah. I think if you were to to a, a seven ship for uh, a seven faction format, I think it would inspire a bit more innovation between those two factions as well. We would start seeing also, more things because people know they have to take it, so they will try a few more options. And there would also probably be a few more differences between the glut of, you know, like the five ship resistance was basically all three T70 Zori Lulo or four T70 Zori. And if you were playing a bunch of droids and or a bunch of like, you know, scum lists, then maybe it would be a little bit of a different build because you also have to take the chance that you're paired into scum or you're paired into CIS rather than just, oh, I'm really good against four of these five in this scenario. So I'm just going to play the same list as everybody else. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah, really, really valid comments there. Um, anything from anybody else? Levi, I don't think we've heard from you. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just fine the meta rebel stuff, so uh, I felt pretty comfortable against most of the lists they brought. It's sad there's no scum in cis because one of my local friends he always flies scum and he's he's newer and he's learning but then he you know doesn't do so well in the local tournament so i feel bad for him but it'd be cool to if some of the smaller countries could field seven player teams i think that'd be a great idea yep and i, I know there's you know there's a lot of discussion obviously about um I guess community player base size and stuff, you know, and perhaps, you know, if they could have multiple teams, but you know, if we had bigger teams, the more people can play for your chosen nation, but then also that, you know, there will be countries that need mercenaries. So there is more chance of more people to play. And as long as you can get your, I guess it would be four nationals at that point, if it was a seven person team that, you know, there's still opportunity for other people to play. Yeah. 
but that will be uh, a discussion for another year. <laughs> uh, any um, sort of closing remarks on this year's XTC from anybody? USA, USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a given, obviously, but um... I do have a question uh, regarding your team selection. So, how did you go about doing it this year? Uh, for the players, yeah, yeah. Referring to, uh, so uh, there was the uh, controversy, might be a strong word, but there was. Uh, a lot of um, opinions on de- how to deal with USA's large player base uh, in comparison to these. I mean, we can only select essentially five players uh, to start. So from narrowing it down from whatever, you know, a couple thousand uh, possible players into just five. Marcel had actually... Um, spearheaded the idea for uh, Marcel's uh, previous year's captains, one of our subs this year. He uh, spearheaded the idea of a basically a tryout, um, and I I was able to work that into uh, in American football. We call it the combine, uh, where you like run uh, forty yard dashes and you flip tires and you do stuff like that. So kind of scouts can see. Uh, what you can actually do out um, in addition to like playing the the game. So we, uh, I had uh, another gold squadron member, uh, James, uh, basically run a uh, tournament that we put in, uh, collected all the applications for anybody who wanted to join on the team, ended up with uh, approximately, uh, I guess it was 30 because 10, teams of three. It was, it was exactly 30. Yeah. So 10 teams of three, which were just like randomly assigned. And then they did like a three week, uh, you know, kind of practice tournament uh, to see uh, really to give us a lot of data on uh, like the pairing processes uh, in between different factions and like what kind of like uh, squad compositions were really being successful, and uh, took a, a lot, a lot of time to comb through data because we were we we're asking for like people's opinions on, uh, you know, their opponents and things like that. Ultimately, uh, it came down to um, the the last of the players. Uh, I don't uh, actually. Doug and Joel won the combine. Um, I think they went undefeated through it if i'm not mistaken there's only three rounds but uh so they obviously placed high and um were very successful for the team and a, a lot of it though was the the limitation of the five factions that we kind of had to quickly make a assessment on uh do we take the risk with scum or CIS because they does have like I was saying that like unknown factor before we're like, are you practicing against storage swarms? Do you, do you have a strategy for that? Ultimately it, it wasn't going to be a good decision. Uh, so uh, once we had our candidates uh, from the combine uh, selected, uh, I had to, I just reached out to um, the, the inevitable players making sure 
Uh, they were good with the the time zone, comfortable uh, playing um, outside of time zone. That is a big issue for uh, the U.S. Um, knowing that we'll have to accommodate for European and like Australian time zones uh, for either in the group stage and especially final stage. So it, the combine, uh, uh, the preliminary kind of tryout tournament was ultimately a great success. And uh, we do plan on doing it next year as well. And in fact, a, a lot of the players who did play in the combine who didn't make it onto USA were picked up as, well, maybe not a lot, but uh, there was quite a few players who got picked up as mercenaries for other teams uh, because they were able to prove themselves uh, that they understand the team environment and what they what they need to bring in their own list to be successful. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's good. Like, in, in a way, it's... I know uh, Ollie has certainly received criticism uh, uh, sort of previous years over um, maybe how the England team was selected. And uh, I think uh, Marcel may have as, as well as you've alluded to. And it, I wouldn't say cloak and dagger, but it does seem a bit, it, it certainly seemed a bit more secretive as opposed to what you did this year. So I think that was uh, really interesting. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a few other teams pinch it and maybe won't get the full 30 like you did, but um Know, may, maybe there's a bit more of a, a public trial as a such. Yeah, um, I actually had the thought of, uh, especially if there was uh, talk of expanding to seven player teams, of uh, just doing just a preliminary, like worldwide combine uh, where anybody could show up if they wanted to just, you know, prove themselves for maybe their own team uh, or just wanted to be a mercenary. Um, if they're from a country who couldn't uh, field an entire team, but they still want to show what they could do, so it might be a possibility in the future to to open it up to to multiple teams or multiple countries rather, because um, it certainly would give us more practice. The only the only regret I have about it is that making it a three person team where we really only got like one round of pairing practice. Mm. So uh, hopefully. Uh, we can increase that to whatever um, the XTC ends up being if it stays at five or moves to seven teams. And I think it's good. So for, it's, ones, rather. it's good for players to see that as well, because um, certainly we we had a few players that was their first ever XTC. Now they've played in team events, um, mm-hmm. so they have a a bit more of an understanding. But I think it is good for those that maybe haven't had that exposure before to actually see, you know why the pairings matrix is important from a you know sort of planning point of view and you know how pairings work and you know and that sort of side of it so i think i think that is good cool um anything else on the xtc before we move on uh we have uh for me special shout out uh had to recognize mexico uh, Fernando and Team Mexico not only got out of the group stage uh, with us as well, beating beating Spain so hard they kicked them out of the finals, <laughs> uh, which was very impressive, and beat uh, Poland, so very much earned their right into the finals. Not only that, but they beat Canada uh, to give them uh, an extra loss 
Uh, at the time, I think every, everybody was fighting at like at the end of day one. Uh, we we played poorly uh, <laughs> round five of day one for understandable reasons, right? Mm. The night had gone on very long. Uh, but one, we were at probably our lowest where uh, we only, I think, got like a draw was our best performance against France. Uh, but we got to end the night rooting for Mexico and they eventually overcome Canada in that fifth round. So nobody went into day two undefeated. Uh, they were the real uh, heroes uh, for us, um, basically being able to keep all these other uh, teams in line. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they, it's quite funny when you uh, when you start looking at the pairings and stuff, and you are you are rooting for um, teams to to sort of beat each other or beat other teams. And um, yeah, I mean, this is it. This is where where I was saying earlier, like very few teams will ever go undefeated and so you know there there will be those games that get taken like i mean x and one well this is it i mean i i, I was impressive. you know i was shocked that you know we beat france first round you know i i thought you know that was gonna be a really tough round and i think you know you know we did we did well to beat france um you know game one and it, you know just one yeah, of those Props to France, who got angry. Uh, it looked like halfway through because they just turned it up uh, on us and Canada as well. Uh, and it, I think had started from a rough spot and ended up what fourth overall. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think I've mentioned before, but I think yeah, shout out to Colombia. I was really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I was really. Uh, See, I I really fancied the Colombian team, like as in looking at you know the the list, the players, and everything like that. And I was really gutted for them. I guess is is the word I'm looking for. Is that obviously the time zone and player health, and you know they just you know I think lost their first three games and and just decided to drop. And it was a real shame because um, it was great that they obviously got to, you know were in the finals, and I I felt that they themselves could have um, you know upset a few teams. Oh yeah, Colombia definitely earned their spot in the finals. It it is a, a especially if you had to like work Friday and you didn't get a chance to um, rest at all before the event uh, for that time zones can be just brutal. And uh, they they did have to face off against uh, USA, Canada, and France in the first three rounds. Uh, teams that inevitably ended up in the in some of the top spots. So I, I do think that they could have uh, fought it out and got some wins, but when you're, when you're demoralized and like physically uh, unable to continue like that, totally understandable. Um, I think we should expect Columbia in the finals next year again, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's it. Like I, I was, I was gutted for them, but not surprised by their decision. And I absolutely get why they made the decision which is you know do you spend all night for the rest of that night so two more rounds and then do it again the next day um if things aren't just working so hopefully they're all feeling better and you know hopefully yeah we'll see it soon back next year but um yeah, what about uh what about the rest of it uh you guys uh highlights funny quips you can say about the xcc 
I mean, I know we had a few issues with dials not being set and stuff like that. So that involved uh, a few people having to reread the rule books mm. to work out exactly um, what happened. But I think it's just a mix of TTS doing TTS things and players being tired and, and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't think there was much else from my point of view. I mean, I've I've got something. I think the fact that we were four and one and didn't go through means the entire XTC is null and void, and it doesn't really count. <laughs> sure, sure. You wouldn't want it if you just had gone to the finals. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I'd have flipped. I'd have flipped every table I'd gone into, to be honest, before the games even started. <laughs> it's a power move. Should have won but more no, games. It was disappointing not to make it through, and especially with a record like four and one. But it was a relief that I didn't have to play an entire day of X-Wing twice. Uh, and it was good to just watch and keep up. And of course, I did get in, uh, some time for in-person uh, X-Wing play, which is always amazing. But it looked like a really solid tournament from what I did see. Uh, and it was really well run. I personally would be voting for a seven-faction uh, seven uh, setup next year. Uh, just because I think the variety it provides, and I think we'll see a lot more interesting things. That's providing we get a points change and everything where everything can get shaken up anyway. Right. True. Yeah. I just want to be a little cheesy and say it's my third year playing in XTC, and I have had zero bad interactions with any opponents across, what is it? It's got to be around like 30 games. Uh, and it's always just, it's super cool to be a part of and meet so many great players from all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the things I enjoy about International X-Wing, um, both, you know, playing in person, but also, you know, just chatting to people, um, you know, over Discord and, you know, whilst you're playing on TTS and people that, you know, you wouldn't have the chance to play in person except for, you know, perhaps, you know, Worlds or something like that. Uh, I, mean, I, I know I've certainly, um, although I've I'd made like, uh, friends in you know America and, uh, and Canada or USA and Canada at Worlds in 2019. I was able to sort of stay in touch and actually sort of chat more to them and and made new friends um, through Discord, DT, TTS, and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean XTC was great from my point of view. Um, absolutely no issues playing anybody, considering you know I guess you know there wasn't it's weird playing because there's, there's nothing like of a monetary value on the line but although you know there's there's pride and you know obviously you know internet bragging rights and everything like that um but con- considering the level of competitiveness i think everybody um was yeah, yeah really sporting and yeah really good to play against i i would like to say this has um been my first uh xtc and uh i've kind of been starting to get more involved with like the international x-wing community and uh this really helped a lot i just i got to meet a lot of uh really cool people um from my country in the combine and of course on the team and then um just being able to meet more people from around the world has been pretty awesome and even some people i knew before making it on team usa were like you know we were messaging about it i know a guy from canada i know a guy from wales and i'm like oh, okay now i actually have like a tournament where we're you know, all together and messaging each other, and it just it felt really cool to be able to do that. Great. Um, well, that will lead us on nicely. We can talk about 
Worlds 2024 shortly. Um, but whilst we're being all nostalgic, um, has anybody got any... Um, so this is obviously our last show of the year. Um, so I'm pretty sure we should have said that at the start. So uh, we will be taking a break till, oof, I think about... 9th of Fair. January, I think. No, not quite. <laughs> I think 10th, 10th, 10th of January, I think, will be our, our next show after this one. Um, but I just wanted to go around and just see um, any highlights from people um, from the last year. Um, perhaps organised play, Worlds 23, new releases, stuff like that. Anybody wants to... You want to kick us I off? For, yeah, go on, go on Will. For, for myself, it had to have been uh, Worlds uh, this, this last year. Uh, the... The buzz around it, the excitement, the return of competitive uh, events, plus uh, with like the help of ISO fame, uh, getting it to be an actual uh, international event as well, where it's not just you know 70% Canadians and USA uh, playing in, at Worlds, getting a lot of the best uh, players uh, out there as well. Um, to Worlds, seeing everybody... I uh, really just like uh, kicked off uh, the competitive season in just the perfect way. So uh, it does help that it's in like uh, my hometown in my backyard. Uh, so like uh, being able to, I feel almost like the host uh, for these uh, international players really uh, was exciting for me to leave that impression that uh, you know X Wing still. Uh, alive and well, still thriving uh, after you know, the, the break of a couple years of um, uh, not having those kind of in-person events. So, yeah, just coming back and uh, seeing everybody again for the first time and really uh, getting those, those X-Wing creative juices flowing for list building um, after seeing all of, like, uh, the innovation. Uh, we, <laughs> I just remember we had, like, kind any rebels at all and then out like being surprised by you know these international players bringing uh squads that we never even had uh seen of before and be successful with it just reminds us how uh you know x-wing is a worldwide community and it, it does take that kind of like blending of those communities to make ever, each of them more successful yeah no absolutely nothing yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, let's see, who have we not heard from? Uh, Stephen. Sure. Um, I think it was one of those things like, I mean, so locally I'm in the Chicagoland area. And so like after, like after Adepticon, there was certainly I mean, a lot of energy um, for, I mean, for X-Wing and competitive play again. And the whole, I mean, store championship season is, is really just been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, so because we've had, I mean, I mean, a good a good amount of a good amount of store championships, and so I mean, the kind of like the the tight knit community that's really kind of formed from I mean a lot of folks that that are going to to multiple store championships that in years past like you might only see them two or three like two or three times in a year, whether it's at a at a convention or or there might be like oh there's this one local tournament that everyone ends up at, um, and so just seeing I mean the I mean. The relationships and the kind of the, the tightness, tight knit, tight knit community that ended up forming as a result of that has been fantastic. And I think also as as a result, I mean, for newer players that are getting an opportunity to go um, to tournaments and, and and have an opportunity to fly against, 
mean, world class opponents is like, I mean, right in their backyard, I think is, is also a huge plus. Um, and then honestly, it's like seeing some of them um, from the, like the beginning of the start championship, championship season to the end of it, where now they're, they're competing and in, in, in some instances, even winning a start championship and getting their invite to worlds is just, it was really a blast. I mean, a blast to see. And, um, and I think, um, I mean, the prize support was, I think for, for especially for the younger players was, was super exciting. And, um, I think many, many a person was like, man, if I can just get that, that sweet looking pole vault art, um, like that would be amazing. And, and for some of them to, to realize that was, I mean, was always great to see. And, um, but yeah, I, like, I feel like the, at least in the, in the Chicagoland area store championships were, were definitely a big success. Um, and, uh, something I look very, very fondly back on this for, for this past year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the store championships are really important for new players. Like, you know, for us who, you know, perhaps have been around for a while and we've, you know, gone to regionals, we've gone to hyperspace trials, we've gone to, you know, world's open qualifiers and stuff like that now. Um, you need that introduction for organized play. Um, so having the store championships back, I think was really important to help sort of grow the grassroots of the, you know, those communities. And we certainly saw an increase in, in sort of the local player base and, and hopefully people were sort of getting interested for sort of local organized play. Cause it's all very well having your, your world championships and your, you know, your regionals, nationals, stuff like that. But you, you absolutely need, um, you need that sort of local organized play to really sort of grow the player base. Doug, uh, any highlights for yourself from 2023? Yeah, I uh, I want to highlight the uh, the tie bombers being released and back into uh, into 2.5. Uh, ever since I was a kid, the tie bomber was my favorite chip, and I knew I played I played FO in uh, XTC, but uh, I love just putting bombers on the table. And uh, I think the new like especially like the new standardized Tomax and Deathfire I think are both really cool ships that uh, add a lot of depth to Empire. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, the Empire did very well out of that release. Um, I don't think the Rebels has been quite as exciting. Um, no, they struggled a little more. But <laughs> Yeah, like I think it was really good to see them. Again, great for new players, great for grassroots, and that's what we need to be growing and looking to sort of drive. Um, I'm hoping that we'll still see the other faction boxes come out. Um, I think possibly Mr. Trick and maybe a new chassis or something in that box would have got us old older players with those large collections buying those boxes but um yeah hopefully they uh, continue to release those uh crispy uh yeah so um honestly probably my favorite memory from um from this past year was uh gen con and uh making it to the top four and then the other three players sort of deciding that you know no matter who wins it um since they were all sort of uh chicago locals or like within like uh, an hour you know like in the indiana area um that i'd get the uh i'd get the flight and hotel which is very very um very sweet of them i didn't see it coming at all and it's just it, it was a great reminder that we have an awesome community and i mean it was it was just such a such a heartwarming thing for me and uh you know coming out of that um because I, I I I have to like pretty much fight for the hotels every year. Because um, I'm just a, I'm a college kid in Florida. Although it's my last year, I'll soon be I'll soon be in the real world. 
<laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty far from Adepticon, so I have to pretty much go get the flight in the hotel, or else I'm not making it. Um, so I'm I'm super happy to go again. Uh, last year was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, last year was my first Worlds, and it was so nice to put faces to all of the names uh, and all the voices that I've played online. And it was uh, it was a great reward. I got to see uh, got to see a lot of people. I think that's where I met you for the first time. Tim, yeah, yeah. Person. So, yeah, I mean that's um, that is it, isn't it? We, like we we certainly chatted and played online, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it certainly the first time. And I think the same with you know a few of the uh, USA players and like I, I knew I met uh, Cam and a few of the other Canadians at Worlds 2019, but then got to know some more sort of Canadians, um, you know, sort of over the, the, the dark years of lockdown and COVID and everything like that. So, um, uh, yeah, and then more of the Australians, for example, and even just like Europeans and, and getting to know some more of the um, the UK and European players. Like, again, you know, I know them, I know their names, but you don't tend to hang around as much at, at events. Um, so... Yeah, it's nice to actually be able to spend some some time with those players. Uh, Levi, I think you're the last uh, of of our guests. How about this? Um, I'd say the most exciting thing was probably be XTC, <laughs> but since we were just talking about that, um, I guess I can say something else. I I think a shout out to the to the TOs um, in X Wing because I mean we talked about the store champs the the open qualifiers and everything. And um, I, this last year, I took over TOing for my group, my local group, because it was kind of dying. And um, I just, I know those, those guys and the, and the judges as well, just whoever is, is stabbing the tournaments, um, put a lot of hard work uh, into it. And there is, it's just so exciting to see all the hype and to see people excited uh, about going out to store champs and, and tournaments and stuff. So just, yeah, shout out to all the TOs and all the judges because they're awesome and they make X Wing work. Yeah, absolutely. Is um, like I, I'm I've been TOing for many years, so I'm very thankful that the people locally have uh, also got involved in TOing because it gives me a chance to play. Um, so anybody that gives up their own time to sort of run events for other people, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, Liam. Uh. It's been a bit of a wild one for me, to be honest. Uh, I think Worlds was the highlight because I'd never done an international event before. And it was even more surreal going that far for an event. And although it it worked out terribly for me, uh, seeing so many people that I'd spoken to for like the last two years of lockdown and everything and being able to put faces to names. But then also because I didn't make it through the LCQ, spend the next two days just going around and making sure that my friends had a good time and kept their head in the game. Like there was one instance where I don't know Crispy was feeling a bit defeated. So I gave him a very aggressive pep talk and told him like gave his head a bit of a wobble and he had an amazing run after that and I'm hoping that was down to me, but have just be have been in the position where I can go and help people and even grab you the odd drink, even though you have to remind me two or three times, Tim. Uh, just being able to be there for friends and help them out and be in that environment, it, it was amazing. Uh, I think there is a bit of bias 
towards the STO though. Like Worlds was absolutely phenomenal. I won't say anything less than that. But the STO being kind of like the biggest tournament in the UK. And it is just a room full of friends. And it's a great event. It's super casual. You go out for drinks. Like everyone socializes properly and everything. And you just feel like part of one big group. I think that is the biggest highlight of my X-Wing year, to be honest, and probably just general year in year in general, sorry. Uh, so just SIF, uh, SIF Taker Open, for those who aren't aware what uh, Liam's alluding to. But um, Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, so I think we had Travis come over, didn't we, last year? And I feel like we've got some more Americans coming over this year. We have. I think we've got Ken Cho. We've got Joe Churchman. It's Marcel coming over. Did I? Marcel's got tickets as well, uh, but it seems to be getting more of an inter- international audience. We've always had people come over from the Scandinavian regions, and yeah, it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger, which is insane. For obviously, not many people have heard of Stockport. Manchester's <laughs> the area people know, so we get so many people come to little old Stockport just for some X-wing, and what seems to be. A- a casual tournament is such a strong room. It is insane. Yeah, I think numbers-wise, we might be the biggest outside of Worlds. I'm not sure if any Worlds Open qualifiers. I think we're 140. But I'm not too sure, but yeah, that's, that should be good. So um, I think my highlights, I think we've pretty much all touched on it, but I think generally I'm just going to say my highlights have just been uh, international X-Wing again. It's been great to sort of go and travel um worlds was awesome again um you know seeing all my international friends but you know i think that was the second time i've been to america so it was great to actually just go and see a different place so obviously we went to uh, minnesota for the the first worlds in 2019 that i went to um actually just going um and it's going to sound like you guys will probably think i'm just very boring but just doing the tourist stuff and actually just going Going to American diners, going to eat Chicago deep pan pizza and, you know, uh, American barbecue, you know, sort of food and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just nice to go and do that. But then I, I took myself off to France by myself pretty much. Um, met up with Dale and uh, Cormac once I got over there. It was the first time I'd been to France and that was nice to get across. And the French community were awesome. Um, and I can't th- sort of thank them enough for making that weekend, you know, what it was. But um so enough sort of looking backwards so looking forwards obviously we've got um you've got the sift taker open um and that is going to be an absolute monster an event uh be very interesting to see what lists may come out of that and i guess um i think lvo is the big one in america uh end of january isn't it yeah i think it's the last yes. qualifier we have mm-hmm. it's the the eighth one yeah and the last one of the season so I, I guess if we don't get any points from AMG, we probably are not going to see an awful lot of innovation. But we'll see a bit, I guess. But it'll be interesting to see what comes out. Because um, I know certain archetypes have been quite strong in America and, and perhaps not so strong in, in, in Europe as such. And then we'll see, obviously, with the Sift Taker open in, I think we're February. Um, you know, what may, may come out of that as well. I mean... I, I can't see us getting points now, but we possibly AMG might surprise us with something in the new year. We can hope. Well, they'd have to release it. I guess they'd have to release it probably now after LVO. 
because you'd want the players to have enough time before LVO to sort of practice pick lists and stuff like that. So if it wasn't released in the first week in January, then it would be after LVO, I'd imagine. But as someone going to LVO, I'm full in on the chaos of a points change. <laughs> uh, to be honest, we are as well. Like uh, we we've said that like we would happily ha- you know have a wild west and and you know. As much as I'm a Republic player and Republic are doing pretty well at the moment, um, I would quite happily see some some chaos. Imagine if you got your tie swarm back, Tim. Hey, I'm quite happy, but but you know me, I I fly any faction, and the fact that I've just mainlined Republic for I oh God knows how long now, but um, I, I I do dabble with other factions, and I think uh, I think it is time for a bit of change but who knows um um i don't know so who's actually going to worlds here or is it not going to worlds that might be an easier question well i'll be i'll be playing in the last chance qualifier as of right now Um, my one last store championship uh before before i could get or your one last chance at a store champ to get uh, an invite to it but Oh uh, yeah, I definitely plan on being there. It's only about an hour from where I live right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't lie that I actually booked my flights and accommodation about I don't know pretty much as soon as they became available um, in mm. the summer. So I was always going to Worlds. Um, so I went to two or three store championships, missed out on the invites. Um, went to I think I ended up doing three Worlds Open qualifiers, and on the third one I managed to get my invite. But it was, yeah, it was starting to look a little dicey for me. And it was like whether or not I went to one more store championship in Ireland or not to try and get the invite or if I would be in the last chance qualifier as well. After giving Liam so much grief. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, unfortunately, Rich Polly, I think, is going to be in that boat. Uh, he'll be in the last chance qualifier. Um, how about the rest of Stephen? Are you going to be at Worlds? So I'm going to miss Worlds this year. I'm starting a new job in uh, in January. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hired on as a uh, a FEMA core team leader. So um, kind of like back end like disaster management response. And so yeah, yeah starting that job um, in mid January, um, and we'll have two months of training. Um, and then after training is done, then we'll like our catchment area is kind of the the eastern eastern half of the United States. So any kind of like disaster response or in some instances doing like public service events to like to areas that are like uh kind of like on an annual basis or hit whether it's i mean hurricanes or floods or um, insert your natural disasters to do um like public service events to like um to provide uh these are things you can do now to, to mitigate um the potential impact when when those things happen again um and so so yeah this was uh XTC was was extra special this year, so as to have that um, inter, that international event because yeah, Worlds last year was was a huge blast for me. Uh, but then yeah, definitely excited for uh, uh, Worlds twenty twenty five. Well, best of luck with that uh, with the new job. That sounds really cool, and you know, obviously a, a very important you know job to go and do. And I think um, yeah, also be a shame for you to miss Worlds, but ultimately you know. We've all got to have day jobs. Well, maybe Crispy doesn't quite yet, but um, you know the rest. Rest of us have to have day jobs and you know work for a living. Appreciate that, Tim. 
Uh, Levi, are you coming to Worlds? Um, so I don't have my invite, uh, but I do really want to go at least just to hang out, uh, maybe do the last dance qualifier. It'll just depend if I can find the money to get there, but I definitely want to go, um, just like, you know, hearing y'all talk about your first times going, you got to meet all these people that you met online. I just, I would, I would like to experience that for myself. So hopefully we'll see. Did you get a chance to apply for the isoplane initiative? Um, I did, yes. Uh, Marcel actually um, recommended that I do it, so I was like, okay, if he said I should do it, I probably should. So um, I did sign up. Um, we'll see. Hopefully I can get maybe a little something, because um, I would... Oh, y'all just make it sound so exciting, and I'm like, I don't I don't struggle with FOMO, but I would definitely <laughs> no. struggle this year if I did, couldn't go. I mean, yeah, I mean, I so I did, uh, I did get some help from Isoplay Initiative last year, and I was very thankful to Daniel and everybody else that contributed to that. And so, yeah, best of luck with the obviously the the process with that. Um, I think Worlds is something special when it comes to events, and if you get the opportunity to at least experience it once, I would thoroughly recommend everybody does. I mean, this could be my last Worlds for a year or two um so that's why i certainly was making every effort to go and obviously have an invite and you know sort of do what i can but ultimately i did say to people if i couldn't play in the event then i was just going to do media coverage and just put like facebook you know videos up perhaps do some interviews and just show those those who can't make worlds what what you know the weekend's about and what the event's about and you know sort of um yeah sort of get the 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 nice uh hobby content out there uh doug you going to worlds yeah yeah i uh i got my invite about two weeks ago and i'm lucky that i only live uh about five hour drive away which uh, isn't too bad for the midwest uh so i'll be there excellent now that's good and crispy did you say you've uh, got your flights and accommodation for this one or was it the last one yes that is this one awesome cool so you'll you'll definitely be there and hopefully um because did you I don't want to bring up sore memories, but did you miss Cup? Were you ninth last year? I was ninth, yeah. Oh, well, just got to play better, and then maybe. If, Still if, too if, soon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if Liam had given me my pep talk uh, round earlier, maybe I would have made it in. So, oh, uh, Liam. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to blame him. Yeah. I will punch you in the head next time I see you. <laughs> and this is it, Liam. You get to play in your first Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's if I get there. Uh, I've got a few things that I'm going to announce by the release of this podcast, uh, including like a little uh, local tournament and an online challenge, which actually I should... Should I drop that in later, or do you want me to drop it in now, Tim? Uh, drop it in the shout-outs. Okay. But uh, yeah, I want, to go, I want to go to Worlds again, uh, mainly because I want to go to Portillo's, because I think I ended up there three times. Yeah, uh, and had a great time each time. Yeah, I, I will say I I shared a room with Liam at the last Worlds, and I've had very few situations in my life that have felt more awkward than Liam not making it out of the last chance qualifier and me creeping out to day one of Worlds on uh, on that morning. <laughs> Just I was awake, wasn't I? I think you were, but I, I didn't want to, you know. Anger the sleeping beast. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed having a line, to be honest. So, well, there's no stress doing this. Yeah. And I just, no, I just cool. sauntered into the event at like 
quarter past nine. Yeah, which is nice to be stress free. It's a shame though. Like you do, I mean, not just you personally, but like you know, I think a lot of us will put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do well at these events and. I mean, I try and set myself little goals and I think it's tough with the last chance qualifier because the goal would have been to obviously qualify for Worlds. But um, I certainly was not looking at, say, the top eight. I was just looking at day one, just make the cut to day two and day two, just, you know, sort of go on. But hopefully, fingers crossed, um, now that you're in the main event, you can go and show us what we were missing last year. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but no, I think I think that's really good. So I think what we'll do is, if we do shout outs now, um, do you want to have a chat about your bits and bobs? Yeah. So on the third of February, I believe I'll be running a a little fundraiser. It'll be twenty pound a ticket. Uh, I've got painted ships. I've got a load of Onyx Squadron packs. I've got a Louis kit, and it's basically just want everyone to come. We'll play four or five rounds of X Wing. I'm hoping for five. Uh, depending on the time limitations of the venue. We'll have some drinks there as well. But basically, it's just going to be a day of X-Wing where everyone gets to go home with something cool uh, and hopefully send me to Worlds as a byproduct. Uh, the next one is I'm doing a online challenge. So it's a, a rolling prize event. So it's £10 per game. And so you put your £10 stake in. Uh, if you win you get what's on offer for that amount of wins in a row. So if it's the first game, you'll get an Onyx Squadron pack and two best score objective markers. If the person prior to you loses, I'll be on a two-game streak, you will get on top of what the first opponent would have won, you will get another two best score markers and another Onyx Squadron pack. So basically, the more games I've won in a row, the more you will win if you beat me. So that'll be going at £10 a ticket, and that's open to anyone. Uh, the top prize is obviously a painted ship, uh, but you'll also get a Mythosaur pauldron, two Mythosaur signets. You'll get a full set of uh, objective markers, some Beskar tokens as well, and whatever else I can find to throw in. So I'm hoping I go undefeated, so nobody wins anything. But anyone can beat me i think i've proven that no cool i mean i think fundraising's good so i mean I, I i've spoken about it previously about you know i thought how can i raise funds for myself to go to worlds and you know some people paint ships and other bits and bobs and and certainly toing was you know what i know so that's why i found you know running events and giving away sort of prizes i've won was possibly the the, the easiest way for me to raise some funds so best of luck with that i mean i'll see if i i can certainly make the one day um and then maybe yeah. I'll tr- maybe i'll try and snipe one of the higher level bounties once uh you've got a few wins under your belt yeah well no one's actually bought any of my cad bane fan fiction and no one signed up to my only fans so this is a last resort <laughs> uh let's go around uh the victorious team usa for any shout outs we'll start with uh el capitano will you got any shout outs uh, to, uh, actually, uh, Steven and Kenneth, uh, they really, uh, put in a lot of the data work for our parents spreadsheet and doing a lot of 
some background like uh, data entry and uh, just taking that time to uh, get those tests done um, is, was obviously extremely helpful. Uh, while uh, <laughs> Kenneth's not here, uh, he he did uh, not here right now. He um, uh, it is a thankless job, I think, uh, to run uh, as as a coach to like run our parents. Uh, but it really was uh, the the strong backbone that we needed. Uh, I was kind of busy, you know, keeping the the team organized, and uh, I I ended up running the stream for the finals. Uh, so having a dedicated coach who can laser focus in uh, on that, and then like I said, all the all the prep work Stephen had done uh, for our parents matrix really kept the pressure off of our players, uh, knowing that uh, they uh, should be getting a favorable matchup, and that. Um, you know, I myself, uh, in the in the busy shuffles of the night, didn't have to uh, make any mistakes in the pairing process, and uh, obviously Kenneth pulled it off uh, amazingly. I think uh, I think the the worst he did uh, or thought he did uh, was something like uh, like a fifty fifty, like two two good wins or two good matchups, two bad matchups, and a fifty fifty. So. Uh, which is very impressive uh, if that was our worst um, match for our parents. So, uh, but uh, honestly, uh, I had to just shout out the whole team in general um, for just making me look good overall. Uh, someone who didn't play uh, and had to select the team members. So they really, they really did all. We're actually making, or uh, actually, Stephen, do you know if? Uh, did we get all the art confirmed for that? We are making cards for our yeah, team. So, yeah, so we're, we've got locked in. Um, there'll be uh, either a pilot or an upgrade from each of uh, each of our uh, each of our lists. Uh, so I think it's going to be Kylo um, and Countdown Broadside. Kylo Countdown Broadside. Um, oh. Rays Millennium Falcon. The the raised oh, Millennium okay. Falcon title because yeah you think uh, uh, Joel's got about probably every sweet alt art card you can get for Poe <laughs> yeah um, there's plenty of Poe Falcons ones um, and then a uh, and then a Han Solo for uh, for Levi and then Levi designed a really awesome marksmanship which which appeared in all of our lists so um, that was kind of our, our unifying upgrade card so everyone's gonna get that um, but yeah it's uh, yeah amazing group and yeah. um i guess it's like a throw my sh- i guess i'll throw my shout outs now like will for i mean like as was discussed before like opening it up and having a combine and um just even the, the combine was just was such an amazing experience and being able to connect with I mean, players across the country and um several of which were i mean super super dedicated in terms of hey if you need practice matches like during whether it's the, like during the group phase, like just let like let us know, and so that was just that was an amazing experience. And then um, I think it's like the two opponents that um, and one of which I got to face both in the group stage and in the finals. So Fernando, the um, Team Mexico's captain, is just an outstanding X-wing player, just amazing, amazing, amazing person. Um, and then Andrew Oler, who's I mean, I mean, world class X-wing player, but I mean, just 
amazing person and, and teammate and you could just like the match that we had like you could tell just like how much like he cared for like his team and it just yeah it was that was having that interaction was just it was super super special and um but yeah and then also to uh, crispy who yeah i don't know how many practice matches um we had but like he was just he was always available and was always making sure that um like the list matrix that like he he would have his i mean his rankings and just yeah being able to 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 get i mean advice and pick his brain was just amazing and then for marcel who i mean is an amazing republic player um to have his just support and confidence and encouragement throughout the process and practice matches i got to have with him is just yeah um amazing amazing experience so um yep cool uh levi any shout outs from you uh yeah the the whole team i'm allowed to shout out all of them out um i know specifically probably steven and marcel i think just helped me the most um really fine-tuning um, the strategies and tactics of my list and um, doing practice games. But I mean, I think, I, th- I think every, everybody on the team had, had some input that um, definitely, I, I believe helped me um, during the tournament. So yeah, it was just, it was an awesome team. Awesome event. I loved it. Cool. Uh, Doug. Uh, yeah, I want to shout out Kenneth again. I uh, I really think that he's uh, he's one of the major reasons we did as well as we did. Uh, and then I want to shout out all my locals. Um, they uh, they were all super helpful and willing to uh, take a look at at lists. Uh, like <clears throat> once the XTC finalists were uh, prepared, we had a night where people just brought a list and and gave me some reps against them. So they were all great. Ooh, uh, crispy. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, shout out all the people who keep online X-Wing, uh, competitive X-Wing up and running, uh, PFO and the XCC crew. Um, we've got a 312 league starting up, I think, in January. Um, and then uh, from uh, from Nixberry and then Greg from NCX for running the uh, draft league. Uh, it's super important. Um, you know, keep uh, keep everyone hyped about the game, uh, all the competitive players, keep the juices flowing. Uh, Shout out Ascendancy. <laughs> yeah, con- uh, congrats to Ascendancy, yeah, for winning uh this season. You guys now have one uh one ring. You're uh you're catching up there to you me. Go. Uh, there you go. Just a couple more. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh and uh the season five will be starting up in February. So you still got time to sign up for the Nickel City X Wing Draft League if you haven't. I think most of us in here are signed up. I think I wanna say I think Steven, I think you're the only one not signed up. Or who hasn't played before in the draft league. That's correct. I know it's upcoming one. My my internet connection's gonna be uh, good sometimes and less good than um in others, and so that's never never conducive for uh consistent online play. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean I've uh, signed up for another season with NCX, so it's my first year this year. I had a great um Great fun there. So, um, yeah, thanks to everybody that's involved in running that. Uh, Liam, we've done yours. Any shout-outs you wanted to make, Liam, as opposed to uh, personal? I just want to shout out everyone I've played X-Wing with. 
this year, like it has been a terrible for you, a terrible year for me personally. But the X Wing community has really, really helped me out and kept me in a a level headspace, I should say. And it's been a massive privilege to be a part of it, and it's been a privilege to be part of this podcast. Uh, even if I still haven't worked out the knack of hosting, uh, but yeah, like it's just, it's just great, and I'm very much here for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, I can't remember if I shouted out my uh, England teammates last week, so uh, I will say a big thanks to Ollie and Pond, uh, who uh, took time out to give up their weekends to um, obviously run the pairings and keep us all motivated and you know thanks to tom fieldson daniel athy don flanagan kester smith and greg squires for being teammates not the result we wanted but it was uh you know a great experience playing with you all and hopefully uh we'll do better next year um one other thing i will shout out whilst i'm here and it just reminded me uh the sift taker league is kicking off again online in uh probably the 29th of january bullet things uh, i'll put a link in the show notes for people for the google docs form if you've not played previously you can sign up uh it's free to enter if you've played pre in the last season um put where you finished and that will be sorting and then we're going to go back to uh we had basically um divisions and then we'll try and continue that and there'll be promotion and relegation uh, between the divisions as such. So uh, people who've not played previously normally get sorted into one big league called the, um, was it Hivers Scum and Villainy, I think it is, or something like that. And then there'll be other groups and stuff. But, um, you know, that online play, very important to yeah, sharpen, those, sharpen those tools pre-worlds so we can all be uh, fighting fit and, and doing the best we can. Right, well, thank you very much, everybody, for coming on. Uh, we'll do goodbyes now. Um, but, yeah, big, big congratulations to Team USA once again. And uh, it'll be great to see, uh, hopefully, as many of you as possible at Worlds in 2024. Uh, so it's uh, goodbye from Will. Thanks for having us. Goodbye from Stephen. Thanks for having us, Tim. And Levi. USA, USA. I mean, goodbye, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Doug. Thanks for having me. Uh, goodbye from Crispy. Thanks. Always a pleasure. And Liam. Toodles. And it's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you all in the new year. You're a bum, you're a punk. You're an old slut and jumbler. And they're almost dead on a trip in that